Praise God. Please rise and let us turn to the Word of God. We're turning today to uh, Romans chapter 1, verse number 17, uh, doing a second installment to the sermon we began last Sunday, Selected Nuggets on Living by Faith. Romans chapter 1, verse number 17. So we are rereading that uh, verse and also rereading Hebrews chapter 11. Although our focus today in Hebrews chapter 11 is on 16 and 17. Let me invite you to read together uh, with me. One, two, three. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 17. 16 and 17, excuse me. 1, 2, 3. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. 18. Of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be Called. And 19, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. And essentially, the word of God there in the New International Version, uh, putting it a little more clearly and indicating Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so, in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. Hallelujah. Uh, for further focus today, I'd like to pick up an extra passage, which is John chapter 8. John. Chapter 8, verse 56. Verse 56. One, two, three. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. The Lord had blessing to the reading of God's word. Amen. Let us pray. Eternal God, we honor you and thank you for who you are. Thank you for the opportunity that you've given us to gather together today. As we turn to your word, we remember the Makangila family, the loss of this precious member, um, our sister. Pray, Lord, that you would restore um, comfort, grant your further protection for those that are traveling back to their locations in the copper belt. We ask, dear Lord, that you will continue to be with uh, the entire family so they will experience your grace and your sustenance. We now commend the preaching of your word, Lord, into your hands. We ask that you would touch and meet every single need here in the sanctuary. And every single need of those that are listening and watching remotely. 
We seek these mercies today. Through Jesus, our Lord and our Savior, with thanksgiving. Amen. You may kindly be seated. Our message is entitled Selected Nuggets on Living by Faith. This is um, a simple selection as we've been guided by the Lord. And I trust that it will continue to bless your heart as we began last week. In part number one, we observed, among many things, the following. First, that it is the privilege of every child of God to enjoy growth in knowing the Lord our God and learning how to live by faith on an incremental basis. We also observed, however, that it is easier said than done because by nature, faith will be tested from time to time. And I did say you are either in a trial or a test or about to get into one or you are getting out of one. And while Hebrews 11 verse 1 is often seen as a definition of faith, we have established that it is better to understand it more as a description of what faith does and how it works. So for the child of God, one must learn to navigate through life on a daily basis with a readiness to allow God to test them. That is absolutely important. We did reflect on James chapter 1, verse 2 to 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. In the process, one's faith is refined. It is worked on and growth is the result. If one's awareness of this reality is in place, it is my belief that it becomes a process of growing confidence and assurance in God's promises as established in his word. Um, Warren Worsby, a great theologian and father in, of the faith, one time said, and I quoted last week, circumstances may be impossible and the consequences frightening and unknown. But we obey God's word just the same and believe him to do what is right and best and what is best, and quote. So the summary of our thoughts was threefold. One, in terms of characteristics of biblical faith, that first it is a substance, picking up on the root of the word in the Greek that suggests that faith is a substance in the sense that it has something that 
we stand upon, a ground, a foundation. It is that tangible, intangible. You can't see it, but you can hold it. Secondly, we said it is evidence. It is a conviction, suggesting that it's an inward conviction from God that what he has promised, he will perform. And I've emphasized this is more Godward than it is manward. Yes, there's a part we play, but it is really about the kind of conviction that God himself helps to amplify because he's acting in us more than just stuff that we conjure on our own, even though we have a role to play. Thirdly, we said it is rewardable, a rewardable witness. Faith is what the ancient heroes were commended for. And we noted verse number six, without faith it is impossible to please God. We concluded by asking two questions. What does God see in your response to the current circumstance in your life? And circumstances, that is. Third, secondly, we asked, what does he see as your response to his leading in life? We'll be building on that today. And in today's focus, I want to take it just one stage further and, and focus on seeing what God sees. Recalling that the term Jehovah Jireh, Recalling that the tame Jehovah Jireh is a compound name. And remember, we say that because it's a compound name, it is discussing a linkage where the term Jehovah is linked to a name of God in the scriptures. And when the, na the name Jehovah is linked to another name in the scriptures, God uses that to reveal a segment of himself personally to those who are seeking him. We also established that the term gyre literally means to see, but not so much you and I seeing, but rather God seeing. So when placed together with its compound connection, it carries the meaning we say to provide. Thus, Jehovah gyre means the Lord provides. And that is what is in Genesis chapter 22 and verses 13 and 14. So when we see what was happening in the life of Abraham, God was seeing specific things in Abraham's response. And that's why we are asking, what does God see in your life today within the circumstances of your life? So as we explore this in this second portion, I want us to observe three principles that are at play. In this very passage, in um, Genesis chapter 22, and in the other passages that are accompanying this one, which we have read. Let's go back to Genesis 22. There are three principles I want us to focus on today. Seeing what God sees. Principle number one is the principle of seeing. Principle number two is the principle of saying. Principle number three is the principle of doing. Let's discuss seeing. Seeing what God sees. Seeing what God sees or what God is seeing. 
child of God has to learn to look into the spiritual realm, into the spirit realm. My description of what was going on with Abraham as we dealt with this last week was that in the moments when he said, and we will reflect on that again, God shall provide for himself not a lamb. If you read that sentence again, Genesis chapter 22, verse number 8, it says, God shall provide for himself the lamb. Now that is very significant. So I was saying last week, that my reading of this is that there came a point where Abraham was literally operating in the realm of the spirit where his surrender to God was such that he was receiving communication that something was at play. That God was leading. After all, how else could he get up to begin to go to a place which he did not know? There was clarity. And he was at a place where he was ready. He had let go. His normal faculties could have been telling him something else. But his sensibilities in the spirit were able to enable him to have a communion with God to say whatever it is you want to do, go ahead and do it. I am ready. You have told me to take up this son and offer him. I have offered him. So he offered him really way before he even laid him on that altar. He offered him. He had surrendered him. That is why when Isaac asked that, he says, you have the firewood. We have the firewood. We have everything ready. But where is the lamb? Abraham was ready with an answer. You see, beloved, a key ingredient of assessing your progress and growth as a child of God is to assess your ability to see in the realm of the Spirit. Now, what does that look like? That looks like this. You may be seeing things happening in the physical. You may have circumstances around you, around your job, around your finances, around your relationships. There, there, there may be things happening around you. And in most cases, this is most difficult when those things are adverse, when they are contrary to what you expect, when those things are unlike what you would like to see happen. When that is going on, as a child of God, your ability to look beyond those circumstances and to begin a communication and a communion with God where you're saying, okay, Lord, I see what's happening, but I am relying on you. When you're doing that, you are lifting your eyes off what is in the realm of the physical and you're beginning to open 
operate in the spirit. Every child of God must exercise that. And I imagine you can understand with me that that's not easy. That's why many people do not consistently do that. But it becomes a matter of discipline for a child of God to do this today, to do that tomorrow, to do that the day after, until you succeed. You understand that there is a God in heaven, even though you do not see him with your naked eye. He is there. He is there. And he will always be there for you. Therefore, there can be communication from your heart to his heart. Whom you do not see, yet you believe. For he is always there for you. He was there yesterday. He was there way before you were formed. He was the one that decided that you have a place in that family and in this world. He formed you in your mother's womb when you were not there. And he is the idea behind your life. And as a child of God, you have got to exercise that reality of going beyond the things of this life and beginning a communication with God. You may be with people in a lift going from floor number 23, maybe down to floor number one, and something is happening in your heart. And now with masks, ah, even better. Because with a mask, who will ever know that you're talking? So you could be in the lift with people around you, but you could be communicating with God, pouring your heart out. It is in those moments when you have that communication that you are beginning to operate in the realm of the spirit. That's what was happening to Abraham here. The child of God must learn to do that. Now, when that is happening for the child of God, with your spiritual sensibilities, with your spiritual eyes, you will begin to see as God sees. That is faith. Faith is a substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not yet seen. Not yet seen physically, but things that you can see in the spirit. Somebody shout hallelujah. Things that you can see in the spirit. So learning to look into the spiritual realm and seeing with spiritual eyes the things God is doing. Genesis 22, verse 8. God himself will provide the lamb. God will provide the lamb. I know the King James Version says a lamb, but some, some uh, newer versions uh, taking into account the grammatical uh, setting there will uh, indicate the lamb. The lamb. John 8, 56, which we read earlier. The word of God says, Your father, Abraham, rejoiced at the thought of seeing 
my day. He saw it and was glad. Let's read that again. Jesus is speaking to the people in his day. They were trying to find out who he really was. And he says to them, because he knew that once they hear Abraham, they would stand up or sit up. So he says, your father, Abraham, rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. And he went on to say, and he saw it and was glad. So let's stop for a moment. Jesus here describes Abraham in the setting that we are reading about in Genesis 22. And Jesus' reading of Abraham's actions was that in his long walk to the mountain, he was seeing. Hallelujah! It's a very notorious fly around here. I am seeing it. But I will look beyond it. That's a good illustration of what happens in life. It is very possible for me to keep looking out for this fly and to keep worrying about it. It means that I will take our attention from the sermon. So what do I do? I know it's there somewhere. I ignore it. Or at least I acknowledge that it's there. And I will deal with it as it comes. But I must continue preaching. So it was with Abraham. As he was going to the mountain. The Bible says he was seeing. The prophetic rendering of verse number 8. Of Genesis 22. Is that in that indication of Abraham saying. God shall provide for himself the lamb. He was mentioning what will happen at the top of the mountain, yes, but also prophetically projecting into the future that there is the Lamb of God that would come and would hang on the cross of Calvary for you and I. And so Abraham rejoiced as he saw that day. That's what the Bible says. He saw that day, which means that experience in chapter 22, although not fully recorded, was much deeper than we see. It means that in that experience, Abraham was being helped to understand, look, Abraham, this is beyond you. I am giving you an assignment. I trust you as my obedient servant. And that what you're doing here is not just for you, but it is for generations to come. And you notice that this is exactly what the Lord now verbalized a little later on through the angel. So some communication was going on. And that's the reason why. When young Isaac asked dad, but where is the lamb? God, the answer was ready. God shall provide for himself. Not for Abraham. Hello? Not for Abraham. God shall provide for 
himself the lamb. You must understand that when your faith is on test or trial, when you succeed and gain victory, essentially God has gained the victory on your behalf. And that's what you see in the Old Testament. But the children of Israel fight a battle. And what does the Bible say? And God gained the victory. God gained the victory. They fought the battle. God gained the victory. In essence, it was God fighting for them. Somebody shout hallelujah. Praise God. So, Abraham saw prophetically the Lamb of God years before the incarnation and eventual death and resurrection of Jesus. Um, let's go back to Gen John chapter 8 and, and let me show you something there. If you observe with me, the middle part of that verse, the three things happening. First of all, God, through these words that Jesus spoke, reminds that generation that the actions of Abraham were instructive. These people did not rejoice at Jesus' being there because he was challenging their system. The Pharisees were not happy. Um, if you notice right after this, the record shows that they picked up stones. They actually picked up stones. And because it was not his time, even though Jesus was ready to die at this time, the Bible says he hid himself. Because it wasn't his time. But this is how serious it was. So, he says, your father Abraham, that in itself was instructive. He was trying to tell them, if you respected him, he saw that day, you've got to do more with life than just see what's around you. Secondly, he says he rejoiced at the thought. So which means there's a lot that ought to be happening in your thought pattern. Faith means that your thinking and my thinking must change. It means that no matter how real the situation is around you, we don't want you to deny it. You must acknowledge it. But like the case of Habakkuk, even though the fig tree shall not blossom, the Lord shall be my joy and strength. Habakkuk acknowledging that the fig tree is not blossoming. Things aren't working out yet. They're not working out yet. So it means that you may be maybe between the rock and the hard place. Or you may be at a place where at this time you have lost your job. You can say, no, you know, those people, they've, they, they think they've taken away my job. No, they haven't. No, if they have given you the letter and you've been fired, just admit. No, I have it. That's my job. God gave it to me. But you have a letter saying that the contract is ended. Take the letter and move on. Hello? You can't sit there saying, no, 
No, me, I'm seeing by faith. And this I've not, no, they want us, they don't want you there. The contract is ended. Take the letter and say, even though I have been fired, even though my contract is ended, the Lord shall guide or give me another job. That's faith. Hallelujah. Or you put in a tender and you haven't won it. And you believe this thing, this is corruption that went on and something is wrong. And then you keep saying, no, I've won the tender. May I know these people are corrupt? No, no, no. If, even if they were corrupt, God will deal with them. And where those things are, are opened up, the, the law will also take its force. But for now, they've told you that you've not won. Move on. Find another opportunity where you can put in another tender. Faith does not deny facts. And when we talk about seeing in the spirit realm, it does not mean that you deny the facts of what's happening on the ground. You must acknowledge those things, but look beyond them. So he says he rejoiced at the thoughts. So what are you thinking today? Don't keep thinking defeat. Don't keep thinking depression. Don't keep thinking dying. Don't keep thinking all these negative things. Look beyond these things and lift your eyes because faith must see something different in the spirit realm. Somebody shout hallelujah. The third thing in this arrangement as we examine this verse is that you will observe. He says, seeing, the thought of seeing my day. The last part says, he saw it and was glad. Which means that in a case where the situation around you is saying sorrow, sorrow, pain, pain, and that may be real. There must be a place where, like Habakkuk, whom I've just gotten, he says, even though the fig tree shall not blossom. What does Habakkuk say? The Lord shall be my joy and strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. So even where there is pain, there is a place for you to rejoice. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, the psalmist says. So you can be glad even in the midst of some fairly terrible circumstances. May joy be your portion. I said may joy be your portion. So when the Bible says the just shall live by faith, it is a simple indication of the fact that the child of God must begin to see what God is seeing. What is God seeing? If you are over here and there is pain, and it's going to take weeks for this thing to go away. What God is seeing is not just where you are at now. God in his foreknowledge and his, in his omniscience is seeing you over here six weeks ahead. He's seeing you up and rejoicing. He's seeing you having received his victory and running. Because he can see the future. So if that's what God is seeing, I must just as well begin to communicate with God because he will share part of that with me and tell me it is all right, my child. In a few days' time, this will be over. Or in a few weeks' time, this may be over. Sometimes he doesn't even communicate, period. But he, uh, he begins to communicate his peace, the peace to 
keep me and to sustain me. The peace to keep you and to sustain you. So because of that, you embrace what God is saying and seeing. It means that when you embrace what God is seeing, you begin to have a change in your heart. And you begin to be glad. You begin to become, once again, just like the psalmist. You can even be, be able to say, he spreads a table before me in the midst of my enemies. You can be able to say like the psalmist, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Or oh, somebody shout hallelujah. I'm asking you today. In a sense, I don't know what may be going on. But you must look beyond what's going on around you. You are not who people say you are. You are innocent who God says you are and who God has destined for some things that people around you, including yourself, may not see immediately. So embrace what God is seeing and walk by it. Walk into it. Walk guided by it. This is a principle of faith. Does this make sense to somebody here today? Lift up one hand and shout praise the Lord. Shout hallelujah. Praise God. There's a unique observation in this passage made by uh, Dr. Anthony Evans. I picked a portion of it. Let me walk through it with you. Dr. Tony Evans suggests around these thoughts here in Genesis, in his comment. And he says, somewhere in the Jehovah Jireh combination, and now I quote from him, is a relationship between God seeing and God providing. Tony Evans continues and says, when we look at another form of the word provide, that is the word provision, we see the word to ha, we see the word, um, the word provision, the word vision. To have vision is to see. He continues to say, provision means something was seen beforehand, thus provided for. And I love that thought. The root vision, he says, ties provision to what is seen. God's provision for Abraham was based on his vision of what Abraham did. So God's vision led to provision. So put another way. Take the word provision, break it. Pro, dash, vision. Pro means towards. Provision means towards vision. And in this case, when God puts destiny in your life, he pre pro 
provides for what he is sending you to. Pre-provides. So, what he wants you to do next week, he has made provision for already, but he wants you to walk through the steps of Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, each with a different circumstance. Until the Monday when you must actually do what he wants you to do. Provision. And here, it's not so much about what you may be seeing. We're talking about seeing what God is seeing. And the vision we're talking about here, as in chapter 22, is God seeing. And therefore, providing. This is what is called providence. God making provision beforehand. And it is important for you and I. So we've dealt with uh, principle number one of seeing. And we said in this principle, if we are to live by faith, we must see what God is seeing. I want to move on to the second principle. Saying. Meaning, learning to say what God is saying. We must learn to verbalize what God has promised. Speak the word of God, not your own words. The greatest tragedy around our practice, especially in our in many circles where we believe in God acting on his word. Has been around declarations. Declarations are scriptural. But they've got to be based on the scripture. Not guesses of mankind. Now you have all kinds of sites where they're telling you visit this site and you receive a prophecy for your life. And some of the things they're calling prophecies are nothing but trickeries and guesses of mankind. Prophecy is God taking hold of a man or a woman and speaking his mind. And prophecy is foretelling and forthtelling. So speaking into the situation, but also sometimes predictively indicating some details. And God can predict details because he's all-knowing. Today, you and I know that there are some things that people may say about tomorrow. And when it is wrong, they change and say, oh, no, come on. It doesn't work like that. So if you're going to do a declaration, it must be what God has said. Because if it is what God has said, then it is valid. But what God has said is even more serious when you think about what he may be saying in the moment. So if I'm to make a declaration, I must be in that instant at least sure that I'm hearing from God and he's saying this is what must be said around the situation. So I want us to observe Abraham's life. and Look at what's happening. So we already began it in verse number 8 where he says God himself shall provide. That's a declaration. Not based on the guess. It's based on the fact that Abraham, as I've told you, was in communication with God. 
We hear people saying, I declare, I decree, I declare, and I decree. Let's wait two days to see what you declare and decree will come to pass. Declarations must always be based on God's word. Communicating what we are hearing God communicating to us. So let's go back to Genesis 22, beginning at verse number 5. Here's a declaration by Father Abraham. He says to the servants, stay here. Hallelujah. Oh my, you will shock some people when you're in communication with God. So stay here. The lad and I, meaning Isaac, will go up to the mountain to worship. And he says, we will come back. That's a declaration. Not based on some guess. He had the assurance. By that time, in his heart, he had offered Isaac. Because the first step was when he had, take your son Isaac. You know, God could have said, ah, knowing God, something will happen. So maybe he would have said, so maybe let me just leave him behind. So he would have decided to go first. Because he, he knows God. No, no, no. When he said take, when he was told take your son, your only son Isaac, and go to a place that I will show you, he picked Isaac and took off. So he had offered him already. Are we together? So that by the time he's talking with his servants here and telling them, the lad and I are going up to the mountain to worship. And we will come back. That's a declaration. He is saying what God is saying. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, what does this look like in your life? In your life, it may look like this. Like I said, let's go back to maybe a loss of job. Saying something like this has to do with where you've lost your job, you've been in prayer, and you are getting the assurance God is saying, and you're trying to decide, oh, should, I, should I go back, look for a job, or should I maybe start a business now? And you're praying, you're trying to hear from God. At some point, God may give you the assurance that he will provide another job. From that point, you can begin to see that job ahead of time and begin to say to God, thank you for my new job. That's not wishful thinking. You have the assurance. So you don't know when, you don't know how, but you have the assurance that he will provide. You begin to declare. You begin to say. Now, the problem here in history, with the, with the emergence of the faith movement, there were some aspects of faith that were very extreme. When the, uh, there was a label now put on the saying of God's word, and, and the, the movement that was being done by a number of those faith uh, teachers, the Higgins of the then day and, and so on, uh, was that they were the name it and claim it. These are believers putting labels on other believers. You know, it's, it's unfortunate. There's, this, 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 there's an extremity there, yes. So to name something and claim it. And if, even here in Zambia, I remember there were times very early in, uh, in, in the churches that um, during the early days of the, 
a Pentecostal revival. There are people who say, I, I claim this. So somebody has a car, they just go around it and say, I claim it. I claim this car. Or I claim this woman. Try claiming her. If she doesn't like you and doesn't love you, she will look at this fool that's standing around and wondering just what's wrong with you. Life doesn't work like that. Declarations are not based on senselessness or just a communication of, of some wishful thinking. It is doing sensible things. Or some things may not look like they, are, they have sense, but doing things that God is communicating. And God won't tell you to go and uh, go around someone's car seven times to claim it. It's someone's car. Go find your own. It's very simple. All this crazy business we're hearing, especially in countries in West Africa, where people are married. And somebody says he has a word that the wife is, is God is the wrong one, and that someone else in the congregation is to be his wife. And on the basis of that so-called word, they must divorce this one and marry that one. Senseless. That's what's confusing people out there. And people are wondering, what's wrong with these people? You see, the work of the Spirit through the Pentecostal movement is a credible awakening where the, the so-called traditional church became too traditional and pulled away from the, the, the spontaneity and the, 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 the readiness of God to act through his gifts. Some of these people think these gifts went away many ages ago. No. The Pentecostal revival was about the recognition that God, the Holy Spirit, is at work today. And even though there are so many multiplicities out there and some of these things that are done by people mean nothing. You can't throw away the baby with the bathwater. There is a tangible, strong, identifiable group of Christians now numbering 9% of the world population where God has been working by the Holy Spirit. And I've shared with you the statistics done by one of the leading sociologists who is not of a Pentecostal tradition, but actually Methodist, Anglican type in that particular area in um, the, the United Kingdom, his name is David Martin, and the research he did showed that in the last 40 years, and that he did his research uh, three, four years ago, so up, up until that time, he says for the past 40 years, he saw there was no single sociological movement bringing change in the lives of people economically and transforming people spiritually and enabling them to be better citizens wherever they have been than the Pentecostal movement. This is a non-Pentecostal saying this. And the fact that people put a label on you because of some crazy individuals that take God's word on extreme should not cause you to feel like you're in the wrong profession or the wrong confession of faith. I want you to know there is a real God in heaven who moves by the power of the Spirit. And he said in Luke chapter 4 and verse number 18, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And the power of the Spirit is not just for saying things. Jesus has come to change the strata of life and to change and bring about the breaking of poverty, the breaking of injustice. And you put, if you put a labor on you, don't 
ever accept it. It is genuine work of the Holy Spirit. I'm Pentecostal from top to bottom. And I have no apologies. And you must do so as well. We believe in the live work of the power of the Holy Spirit. I have seen him right here in this assembly change lives. I have seen him break the power of poverty in the lives of many people. I have seen Break the chains of injustice in the lives of people. We have rescued people by the power of the Holy Spirit from the streets. And we have put those young people in school. And I've told you before, some of these young people today are doctors. Some of them are doing wonderful things out there. We have provided employment. The power of the Spirit is that God, the Holy Spirit, enables us to hear that he can change lives. And through that, we have brought transformation in the education sector and in the health sector. We have seen the power of the Spirit. You've got to trust God for who he is. Somebody shout hallelujah. Let's give it up for Jesus today. So, Romans chapter 4, verse number 16. When we're talking about saying what God is saying, calling those things which are not as though they were. Or somebody shout hallelujah. That's the King James Version. The New English translation says, and summons the things that do not yet exist as though they already do. So you're here. The job is not yet there. But God has assured you it will come. So you begin to welcome it from afar. You have acknowledged you have no job. You have acknowledged things have not worked. But in faith, you are speaking God's word. That's what declarations are based upon. Somebody shout hallelujah. This is not about the power of words. Name it or claim it. Nor is it to do with magical proclamations. Rather, this is about the appropriation of the power of God's promises and his faithfulness. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22 to 24. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22 to 24. Let's read it there. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. Verse 24. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. This is what our faith is based on. He sustains us. What he says, he will do. What he promised, he will bring to pass. So, it is said of Abraham, back to, um, we will go back there, but back to Hebrews chapter 11. And if you read carefully, verse 18 and 19, it says that he actually in essence, received him back from the dead. So although he lifted up the knife and was ready to slaughter Isaac, there was a voice that said, Abraham, Abraham, 
do not do it. And the voice of the Lord there through the angel said, now I know. Hallelujah. Now, didn't God know? Of course he knew. He's all-knowing. That's why because he knows, he can talk to me here for things that will take place here. He knows. But you see, on my end, and in my and your participation in time, it is now that this realization is happening. So, God in that time slot must make Abraham aware that Abraham has just scolded. He has just passed a test. And Abraham has evidenced something that God has recognized. And Abraham has spoken it. How? He laid Isaac there and he was ready to slay him. And God says, stop! Now I know that you fear me. And he said, look up. So, Abraham raised his eyes. And I ask you to do the same today. Raise your eyes. And there, in the thicket, he saw a ram caught in a thicket. Chances are, it may already have been there. But it was there, waiting for its time. Hallelujah. It was there in the thicket, waiting for its time. And at the command of God, that ram shows up and begins to go. The ram. You will hear the voice, beloved. You will hear the voice. And you will hear the voice of him who leads you. Saying, here is the way, my daughter. Here is the way, my son. Walk in it and take up your bed and rise. God brings healing. God touches your heart. God rearranges and restores in his time. But his children must say what God is saying. Speak his word. Psalm 139 verse number 1 to 4 shows clearly that God knows who you are, knows where you've been. So, if he says something, say it. If he's spoken something, you speak it. Psalm 139. You have searched me, O Lord, and you know me. So I want somebody here to understand. When people say things about you, do not worry. You know who you are. That's why I like this Satsinach song. I know who I am. You know who you are. And you know. He's saying to God, you know when I sit down, when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. This is what has happened for Abraham here. God knew exactly what was going on. So let me take you back to Romans Chapter 4, and uh, we will wrap up here. I will deal with uh, the third principle next week. But let, let's go to Romans chapter 4, and uh, verse number 18 now. Against all hope, I want us to read all the way up to verse 24. Against all hope, Abraham 
in hope believed. And so he became the father of many nations. Just as it has been said to him, so shall your offspring be. And you are that offspring. I said, you are that offspring. So there is a way you can act the way that Abraham acted. Hallelujah. Verse number 19. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact. Faith doesn't deny facts. That's why you and I see what's on the ground. We acknowledge it. Ah, but we don't just live with what we see here. We live by what we see there and by what we hear there. And when God is speaking to us, we can fly. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will walk. Can you say it with me? Let's start again. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall, they shall, they shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Some of you remember a message I preached here many years ago. Where I said, when it comes down to it, beloved, even if you're down on the ground, whatever you do, do something. If you can't fly, run. If you can't run, walk. If you can't walk, move, crawl. Whatever you do, keep moving. It's a work of faith. If you can't crawl, roll. It is a work of faith. All right. Thank you. In the, in the process, you may lose some things. But God will always pick up the pieces for you. And Peter, you just represented God today. Ah, there are people battling with losses here. God will restore for you. God will restore for you. So today, out of these three principles, I've emphasized two. And these two are seeing what God is seeing. That was the experience of Abraham. Saying what God is saying. That's what Abraham did. I will go with the lad, worship, and come back. That's faith. God shall provide for himself a lamb. That's faith. Looking into the future and seeing the lamb on the cross and being glad ahead of time. That's faith. And so it must be with you. I'll pick up in the third principle the coming week.